I was on the air last night with a guy named Dino Costas. If you, rec- if you recognize his name, he used to have a show on Sirius XM. His name's popped up on the list of top 100 talkers at Talkers Magazine, Sports Illustrated, a few other places. Good show, good guy, smart, up on the issue, good questions, great audience. And um, uh, I, I enjoyed being there. So at one point, Dino says, Colin, where is this all going? Where is it all going? Dino, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of focused on a microscopic level on what is happening right now. So I don't really do predictions or cures or solutions because I find almost all the time that's a deflection. People will do anything to not talk about what is happening right now. The violence, the hostility, the scorn, the robberies, rapes, murders, contempt. All black on white, black on young, black on old, black on gay, black on straight. You get the picture. It's a long, long list. Okay, so here I'm going to break that rule. I said I don't do the predicting. So I don't know. I don't know if this is a prediction or not. I think it's probably an observation. So let me see if I can say this without breaking my rule, but I don't care if I break the rule. Here's my prediction. Here's my observation that at some point, Republicans and or conservatives are going to figure out they cannot fight the greatest lie of our generation with two hands tied behind their backs. They're going to have to figure out they must fight the greatest lie of our generation, black victimization, white racism, because Democrats and the fellas and their allies and reporters and public officials are using this like a cudgel with nails on the end of it to just beat and beat and beat and beat Republicans and conservatives at every level of our private and public life. And as uh, as of now, the official reply is, hey, please don't hurt me too bad because I am not going to resist this, this, this beating. I mean, we see it, we see it every day. Again, I'm not blaming the the cops and firefighters, EMTs and teachers and people who work in cubicles for not standing up and going, "Uh, no, uh, I don't, I don't buy your fairy tale of white racism. That's all the time, everywhere. That explains everything. No, I don't. But I I do kind of expect a little something, sometimes out of our talking heads, I expect a little something out of our conservative and Republican office holders, if for no other reason than just self-preservation, because they don't have a defense. And their only, well, their only defense they have is, like I said, it's like, please don't hurt us, don't hurt us anymore, We'll, we'll stop being racists. I mean, I saw great example of that last night i was watching some of the democratic national convention on television and by the way you guys send me lots i get these emails every day i see them on my twitter stream and text and everywhere else people say very nice things about me one of the things people say is that dad colin man he's the bravest dude in the world and well i have to tell you right now i'm gonna chicken out twice on this video Two times. First time is I'm not going, I don't have the nerve to to go back and look at Michelle Obama's speech again 
And I don't, that's, and part of the, and I'm going to make this just one big checking out, and I don't have the nerve to ask you to listen to it. It was that bad. And so Michelle Obama gets on there and she does all of her stuff about white racism, systematic white racism, systemic white racism, and how Republicans are at it again because... First of all, they're going to try to dismantle the post office to suppress the black vote. Then they're going to put 50,000 poll watchers at polls around the country to suppress the people who can't vote by mail. Then they're going to go vote and they're going to see these white guys wearing suits glaring at them. And that's going to suppress the black vote as well. And it was just one piece of misinformation after another on and on and on and on of course you know they always use my favorite obama construction rhetorical construction it's when you say one thing then then you try to use that as proof of something that the opposite is actually true i mean i could picture obama saying this president obama not michelle obama i believe in Free enterprise. That's why we have to nationalize health care. Or I believe in... What are the other things he said? Uh, I believe in uh, the American capitalist system. That's why we have to take over GM. And you remember the famous thing he told to Joe the plumber. Uh, and, 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 and I believe in enterprise and individual initiative, but hey, let's face it. You didn't build that. And he was basically telling successful people in America their success was a derivative of some kind of government action that benefited them unfairly and left others in the dirt. So Michelle was, that's that's their classic thing. And all they do is when they say it, I think they have to be holding their breath, hoping nobody notices. They just contradicted themselves in the same sentence, but they want you to think it goes together. So there was Michelle last night. Remember her so her famous, when they go low, we go high. So she was, you know, heaping herself with all this praise on herself for her moral superiority, her spiritual superiority, for teaching her kids that, for teaching Obama that, for teaching all of us that. But then she reminded us what she means by that because, you know, she went, she spent the next X amount of her speech just going as low as you can in direct personal attacks on the president and all of the president's supporters who are nothing but white supremacists. I mean, we have to remember how low the bar is now to be a white racist and a white supremacist. Let's, I mean, there's probably a thousand questions you could ask. Why don't we just ask two of the most basic ones and let's see if you stumble on them because if you do, you're not going to have any chance with the other 998. You only have to miss one. And that gets you declared a white supremacist. How about this one? Hey, do you think black people should get four to 600 points on their SAT in order to bump them further up the line for admission to colleges and universities? to give them an advantage over white people and Asian people with higher SAT scores and better grades. Do you believe in that? That kind of racial preference, racial quota? If you say no, check mark. You're a bad person. How about this? Do you believe if black people worked as hard as white people and they saved and invested like white people uh, and if they had the same 
kind of family structures and the same kind of habits and practices as white people. Do you think it's cap- they would be capable of being as successful as any other minority, racial minority in this country, i.e. everybody? If you say yes to that, that makes you a bad person because, you know, that goes against the critical race theory that white racism, black victimization all the time, everywhere, that explains everything. And it's permanent and it permanently prevents black people from having any chance to get ahead in this country. If you don't believe that, you're a bad person. So when they're talking about white supremacists, white nationalists, that's who they're talking about. People who believe some of these really solid bedrock principles of conservative thinking about equal opportunity and how we're, how we're against racial preferences of any kind. And so when she talks about that in her speeches, she's talking about us. And so anyway, there she was. And we now know that she gave the speech. I think she like, she gave it like, Almost a week, she she taped it almost a week ago. And man, I was thinking when I heard that, I was thinking, man, what kind of life does Michelle Obama have? How busy is her life if she can't even squeeze in a live address to the Democratic National Convention on a on a Monday night? But but anyway, so she she did a you know she did the teleprompter thing and Maybe I just have a blind spot. Whenever I see her talk, she looks kind of pissed off at me in particular, if you're a white guy. She looks pissed off and angry and impatient. But that's her shtick, and you know, people seem to like it. I mean, as soon as she was done with the speech, um, you know, Twitter was full of all these talking heads talking about what a boy, what a home run that was, what a exciting speech, what a game changer. You know, this and that, and it's more of the Michelle Obama is the most brilliant person on the planet kind of talk that we hear all the time. You know, we hear the same kind of talk from fashion editors, from the editors of women's magazine, who when she was president and after that could not put her on their cover enough because she was the most brilliant and beautiful and graceful and elegant woman on the planet. They said that. And then when you get to Melania rolls along, who may have a little bit of smarts and elegance in her own, right? I'm being facetious. They literally say, no, we're not putting her on our magazines because, hey, we got Michelle. Why do we need Melania? So that's the, that's kind of the baseline for our gaslighting, right? We have to look at Michelle Obama and... and I look at her and say, boy, that's, man, that's like the reincarnation of Venus and Aphrodite, the picture of feminine grace, feminine elegancy, the height, femininity. And if you don't think that, well, you know, you go back, you go to the corner, stick a dunce cap on, except it doesn't have a D on it. It has the word R on it for racist. So after the after the speech, after her, whatever you want to call that thing was over, you know, everybody on the other channels were heaping the praise. But I went over to Fox to see what they were going to say. And I guess I have to say I was surprised. But on second reflection, maybe I shouldn't have been that surprised. But there was, uh, I mean, I just remember there's Dana Perino. I, I don't know if she even let it off. But there's Dana Perino 
talking about Michelle's speech as if it were some kind of world-class Olympic finalist event. And Dana was saying how great it was, how she did this, how undoubtedly everybody's going to be totally excited. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Totally excited by this great speech, by this great American who's loved and respected all around every nook and cranny of the whole world. And then she said, yeah, and if you're going to put it in Olympic terms, she stuck the landing. That's a 10 out of 10. That's Greg Luganis. That's who's that swimmer guy? Forget the swimmer. Pick your favorite Olympian, Mark Spitz. I'm dating myself. That's what that speech was. And then all the other people on the panel, they kind of took turns kind of trying to outdo Dana Perino for what a fantastic speech this was. Even though all of us were sitting there watching it going, what, what did I miss in that speech? What the hell did I miss? I didn't see any of that. Was it me? He went over to Juan Williams and there's Juan, of course, former Washington Post, former NPR, now Fox, big Fox contributor, their house liberal. There's Juan. He, I thought he was going to break down and cry. He was talking about, boy, how, what a great speech it was and how emotional it was, how moving it was for him. And how, uh, you know, really, you know, as great as her speech was in 2016, which I don't remember, he did. This was even way better. And he compared Michelle Obama to, our, to uh, like our national mother. She was scolding us a little bit. And, but you know, it was all out of love and maternal affection. I'm glad they took the camera off him because I think that thing, I don't think that guy could have held it together for another 30 seconds. Then they came to Britt Hume. Britt Hume is good. He's not really anybody's fool, but the pressure to, to be down with the cause is so enormous that even Britt Hume could not resist being part of the groupthink over there on this Fox panel. And he preceded his real comments with some gushy things about Michelle Obama, about how she's brilliant, she's great, everybody loves her, fill in the blanks with whatever nice thing you could imagine he might say. It's pretty much what he said. But then he got to the point of it and he said, even though it was riddled with inaccuracies. Yeah, I mean, basically everything she said was not accurate. You know, all the stuff about Trump and global warming and us allies in Europe and, you know, peaceful. Oh, yeah, she, this took stones to me. She was talking about peaceful protesting. I mean, on the very same night the people in Seattle are throwing explosive devices at police. The very same night, the people in Portland and all other places are having all these nasty examples of large-scale black mob violence, some tinged with pol political leanings, some just good old-fashioned thuggery, and, you know, part of the greatest lie of our generation. She's sitting there talking about peaceful protesters and how somehow Trump has been well, he's been provoking these peaceful protesters and causing them to act in really, really bad ways. Man, how could, how could we have a president who would ever do that? How could that ever happen? And so one, one of the things we have to take away from the speech is the lack of resistance. You ever seen one of these uh, tsunami videos or tsunami movies? 
Now, just being a regular guy who doesn't know anything about tsunamis uh, for a long time, I had an image of tsunamis out of a comic book or a TV movie where somehow some wave that's like 500 or 1,000 feet high is sweeping across the ocean and it's going to just come up on the shore and cut a, cut a path through your city, through your whatever, wherever you live, if you live near the beach, if you live within a couple hundred miles of the beach. Well, that's not really what a tsunami is, I don't think. Tsunami is really, it's kind of like a flood, really. I mean, yeah, you might see some waves that are bigger than usual, but it's really just the water just keeps coming in and in and in, and it just doesn't stop till it finds its own level. And sometimes there's natural barriers that stop it. Sometimes there's artificial barriers that help stop it. But sometimes it doesn't stop until it just keeps going and going and going and runs into a little bit of a hill. And the tide goes out. In the meantime, you see all the cars, all the people, the cattle, the trees, the buildings. They're all just getting swept along in this huge flood, this huge, powerful flood. And this flood kind of reaches into every nook and cranny of that, uh, of the stuff in its path. Nothing escapes. And that's the way I look at all the stuff uh, as what's happening with all this talk about white racism and black victimization, Black Lives Matter. It's a tsunami. It's gotten into every nook and cranny of our personal and public lives. I'm sure everybody listening to this has some level has experienced something like this. Where I get, you know, you get the letter from your high school. Catholic Boys School, Slaziantum School for Boys. Home of Joe DeGeneva and Bill Press and good old Colin. And, uh, and the great Willie Shields. Anyway, so you look at the letter and it talks about how, you know, how they just hired an officer of inclusion and diversity. It's mostly a white school. It's a Catholic boys' school. And uh, they're going to start giving scholarships to black people to crank up the diversity. And how basically everybody in that school, everybody, the students and the alumni, they're all just a bunch of white racists. And to counter that, to learn how you can fight your own racism... You ought to read these books, books we've talked about here, Anti-Racism by that guy named something, Zendry Abrams or something. He's the guy that went on CBS Morning News show and said, yeah, there's one proof, one, you know, here's how we can tell if you're a racist. If you deny you're a racist to the extent you deny it, that is to the extent that I'm sure you are a racist. That's proof. And there's Gail King. Most people say black people can't be racist. I'm just telling you, in ninth grade at Sally's, or even the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in the parochial schools we went up to, leading to Sally's, you couldn't have gotten away with that stupid ass thinking. You couldn't stand up and go, two plus two equals five. Oh no, Colin, two plus two equals four, but thank you for offering your opinion. No, teacher, and the more you try to say I'm wrong, that to me is proof that 2 plus 2 really does equal 5. See, you wouldn't just get scorned by the teacher for that kind of sloppy thinking. You'd get scorned by your fellow students who would make fun of you for being stupid. Now, but now we're getting letters with the exact same kind of logic from people who run that school who never would have run that by people at my school when I was attending there, and they're holding their chins up as if they too are now morally superior because they're asking you to accept these intellectually dubious claims. It's weird about that school because 
I wouldn't say that's ground zero for black crime and violence in Wilmington, but it's not too far from ground zero. You're definitely in the blast zone. So at that school, let's say a kid, there used to be a lot of kids that go to that school, say within a mile or two miles from around, and they would all walk to that school. And a lot of the alum, alumni still kind of live, not maybe a lot, but some alumni still live that close. People in that blast zone, ask them the following question. Have you ever been the victim of black crime or violence? Every single Sally's grad will tell you, uh, yeah, yeah. When I, was, when I was a student and afterwards when I moved back to the neighborhood. Yeah, it's just the thing. Doesn't that happen to everybody everywhere around the country? Isn't that just a fact of life in this country now? That's what a lot of people think. But it's not really true. And somehow they've convinced us it's true to the point where we can't get people to resist the tsunami of the greatest lie of our generation that's just gone into every nook and cranny of our lives. And so, I mean, yesterday we did a story about a guy out in Wisconsin, he, called, he a county supervisor, he stood up and called out Black Lives Matter for what they were, a bunch of violent socialist thugs. People on this, fellow members of his board were aghast. He didn't care. He stood right up to him. Good for him. Not everybody's in a position to do that. Not everybody's in a position to be part of the resistance. You know, I was, t I was talking to Alan, the barbershop guy, the other day. And uh, about Bob Dylan. I said, Alan, have you ever th thought about doing any Bob Dylan songs? So here's the thing. I never, ever suggest anything to Alan because I don't want to get inside of his mojo because the songs he makes for this channel, which you can get over at colinflaherty.com slash music, those songs are so pointed, so funny, so brilliant. I don't want to mess with it, but I, okay, here I am breaking my own rule again. I said, have you ever done any songs about Bob Dylan and he gave me the reaction that a lot of conservatives give me when I mentioned Bob Dylan he goes oh that dude's a commie well when you ask when you ask conservatives okay so why is he a commie well he says all these commie things well give me an can you give me an example from the songs there's a whole lot less of that stuff in there than people think there is Bill, and Dylan's always been very oblique off the stage as well as on the stage so, I mean that's why he's a poet right this stuff has lots, lots and lots of layers of meaning. Anyway, he wrote a lot of songs in the 60s that people adopted as their songs of resistance, whether it was civil rights, whether it was the war, whether it was just anything they felt like resisting. If you re go back and listen to those songs today, it's like, yeah, those songs are still songs of resistance, except now we can adopt them because they still have meaning us so Alan wasn't really buying that but uh, I said okay here listen just listen to one song hard rain gonna fall it's not really that complicated musically but it has tons and tons of words and it talks of this impending crisis it's gonna happen if everybody doesn't you know do X Y and Z again very oblique what X Y and Z is 
Uh, so Alan was kind of dubious about it, but then yet just just this morning, I got a email from Alan going, "Hey, Colin, what do you think of this? Man, he did a version of Hard Rain's Gonna Fall by Bob Dylan. It was like I didn't think I could think more highly of Alan, the barbershop guy. But here it is, Alan, the barbershop's guy, singing a song of resistance. His version of Hard Rain." Hard rain is gonna fall. Oh, I watched you beat my blue-eyed son, and I watched you kill that darling young one. I have left the nice suburbs and fled to the mountains. I've been held up and delayed by fellas on highways Better heed this warning, my patience is dwindling Each new crime reported just adds more kindling Now we're all waking up and we're watching you closely all of you impotent leaders, oh, you will pay dearly. And there's a heart, a heart, there's a heart, there's a heart, a heart rain's gonna fall. Oh, what did you do, my blue-eyed son? Your dipshit teacher said you hate everyone The fellas surround like wild wolves all around him And if we don't push back our bright future looks quite grim I saw a black man with blood on his knife the more you ignore, the more risk on your life Our leaders try to disarm us and tell us to kneel Well, the barrel of my 38 will see you in hell Well, you called out the thunder and now you've got it And it's a heart, a heart a heart, there's a heart, a heart rain's gonna fall And there's a heart, a heart, a heart, there's a heart, a heart rain's gonna fall Whoa, Alan, you're smoking, dude. Now, I gently reminded him that my favorite Bruce Springsteen song was Thunder Road. Not a song of resistance, but a song of triumph over tri trying conditions. And, uh, well, that was before Springsteen went south on us. But let's see if he can, maybe someday he'll, he'll be inspired to mess around with Thunder Road. Oh, by the way, Alan's going to be doing a show here next week when I'm at the spa getting my mani, petty, cucumbers on the eyes, hot stones down the spine, the whole thing. 
So he'll be filling in at least one day. I'm trying to get him to do a couple more, but let's see. He's going to be talking about his songs and what they mean and how he wrote them. Do you need a break? Are you tired of forgiving all of your assailants? Are you fed up with hoping they get the help they need? Do all of the kids in your community need some activities and resources to occupy their time after a busy day of curing cancer and building rockets for NASA? Well, we here at Don't Make the Black Kids Angry Studios have heard your screams. Do you like to watch spineless liberals soil themselves? Play this music at your next event. In the hospitals, cause I stabbed you with We guarantee to have them frantically vomiting an overcompensated desperate word salad of incoherent hogwash in a pathetic attempt to eliminate the very last ounce of racism that exists within them. But everyone in the world is asking, where can I find these amazing renditions? Finding this music is easy. Just go to ColinFlaherty.com and click on the music page. Once again, ColinFlaherty.com. You can order an entire album or just individual tracks if you like. Once again, ColinFlaherty.com. Don't delay though. Our Silicon Valley cowardly overlords are always finding many ways of passive-aggressively stifling our efforts in bringing you such musical treasures as the ones you're hearing right now. If you purchase the Christmas album, have yourself a merry fellow Christmas, and are wanting more of these non-holiday timeless arrangements as desperately as you want police presence in your neighborhood, drop a few shekels in our tin can and we'll send it right over. Okay, so I told you, I already confessed that Mr. Bravery here, the guy you think is the bravest dude in the world, I chickened out once already, I would not listen to the Michelle Obama stuff and I would not ask you to do it. That's one big chicken out. But here's the second one, which is, I can't decide if this is a bigger act of cowardice or a smaller. But there's a woman out there by the name of Cardi B. So Cardi B made her bones as a stripper. And after the club would close, she would hang out with white guys and go to their hotel rooms where she would slip them drugs and steal their watches and steal their wallets. Yeah, this is, She's open about that. She brags about it, gives her cred for her music. So maybe your kids know who she is, but she's very popular. She's big. She's right smack dab in the middle of mainstream culture right now. And because of that, I've, she has done two things that I'm not going to look at again. I'm not going to listen to again. I'm not going to ask you to listen to even once. She has a song out right now, very popular, called W.A.P., I don't recommend you listen to that unless you have a taste for some of the most vulgar and obscene lyrics and videos I've ever seen smack dab in the middle of popular culture. But that's only the second worst thing that she's done. The, be- the worst thing she's done is something I just saw the other day where she gives 
I'm just going to say she goes. She talks about oral sex in a way that. That's it. I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay. Listen, I'm not a fuddy-duddy. I'm not Mr. Rogers slipping on my sweater and putting, you know, taking off my shoes, sitting down and putting on my slippers before I sit down and do this. And I don't kind of even like being in, being put in a position where I'm the fuddy-duddy going, okay, kids, I don't want you listening to any of that rock and roll music. That's the devil's music. No, I'm not that person. But I am a person who looks at this stuff and say, oh, Man, if that's the mainstream, the mainstream is thoroughly polluted with gross and vulgar things about the most intimate and sacred acts a man and a woman can do with each other. Okay, and so again, it's not if she were just Cardi B, if she were just a person that was doing that, I wouldn't be talking about this right now. But she's not just Cardi B, the stripper, the rapper, the obscene and vulgar performer. She's Cardi B, the interviewer of major presidential candidates. So that's why I was so surprised to see her this week doing a Zoom interview with Joe Biden. Now, you won't see it, but she's all dressed up like kind of like a secretary. The one thing that gives it away is these long, fake fingernails that look like daggers. I mean, really long. And, you know, so she's waving them around and she's telling Joe Biden, it's weird, like she doesn't even give Biden a chance to talk. She's telling Biden what she wants, and Biden's just sitting there grinning like a Cheshire cat. Let's listen to a little bit of this. So much. I don't want to be, be lied to. I don't I don't want that, like, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic right now, right? And I just want answers. List of things that I want and I wish and I desire uh, for our next president to do for us. But first thing first, let me keep it a buck. I just want Trump out. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like his mouth gets us in trouble so much. I don't want to be be lied to. I don't I don't want that, like, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic right now, right? And I just want answers. I want to know when this is over. Like, you know, I want to go back to my job. I want to I want to be able to go outside. I want to be able not to feel like I'm trapped in my home. And, but I don't want somebody to lie to me and tell me that it's okay to go outside. It's okay not to wear a mask, that everything is going to be okay. No, I want like a, a timeline of when things are gonna get better. I, I want a president to tell me what are the steps for us to get better besides, um, you know, uh, taking pre, uh, precautions like with our masks and quarantining. I need somebody to tell me like, this is going to be over when we find this cure. This is why it's taking so long. This is why other countries are doing better than ours when it comes to this pandemic. I need somebody to tell me the truth, the hardcore truth. And also, I, of course, want free Medicare. And this is why it's important to have free Medicare, because look, look, look what's happening right now. You see why we should have been having free Medicare for a long time. I, of course, think that we need a uh, free college education. That's second. And I want black people to stop getting killed and no justice for it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I just want more stricter laws that is fair to black citizens. And, you know, it's fair for cops too. If you kill somebody that is that doesn't have a weapon on them, you go to jail. You know what? If I kill somebody, I got to go to jail. 
You got to go to jail too. I mean, what's next? I mean, two live crew in the background interviewing Biden and they're doing their big hit, Me So Horny. Does Biden have any clue who that is? Do his, does his staff? His staff does. That's the reason they put her on because she's very popular with the fellas and lovely ladies and the white kids who love consuming black culture. Misappropriating it. Sorry. They knew what was up. Again, but part of the resistance is it's like, oh, it's a black person saying the most vulgar and obscene things any of us have ever imagined beyond which we've ever imagined. But let's not stick our head up and go, hey, wait a minute. That's BS. And now Joe Biden's inviting her into the famous Wilmington compound via Zoom to ask him questions. A woman who he would never show even one of her videos to his five, six, or seven grandchildren, depending on which day of the week you're counting them. I think the folks at Laura Ingram, I think they got into it a little bit last night, but they're having the same, pro- I'm having the same problem they were having. It's like, how far can we go in describing how vulgar and obscene this is? Not far enough. You're you know, just going to have to take my word for it. First time I ever said that on this channel after condemning reporters who asked us to do that just a couple days ago. You can find up both of these things online very easily. If you don't want to take my word for it and you feel like getting sick to your stomach or a big fat migraine headache, headache go seek out those two videos. and You'll wonder what she was doing on the air with Joe Biden asking all these questions about all this free stuff black people want. Free Medicare, free college, free this, free that. Stop, stop cops killing black people all the time for no reason whatsoever. And there's Biden at the end. We didn't hear this part, but his reply was, there's no reason we can't have all of that. And so I recognize that as an answer that sounded a lot more positive than it actually was. That answer actually had some wiggle room that if a year from now, if he gets elected, they can come back to him and say, hey, you said we could have this and that and this and that. You stole that to Cardi B. What about that? He goes, no, that's not what I said. I said this. So lots of wiggle room in there for good old Uncle Joe, but no wiggle room for Cardi B. No wiggle room as to what she's doing in there in the first place. No wiggle room for all the people in this country who are afraid to stand up and say, Good Lord, how did that vulgar, obscene personality enter into the presidential race of the United States of America? And how is it that everybody thinks that's okay? I mean, is there a group of people who don't think that's okay? Or or now are we all just operating in the mode of we're used to it and it's just like well you know maybe we lost maybe we lost that battle 50 years ago 40 years ago when tipper gore was telling a senate committee about obscene lyrics and pop songs and rap songs and at some point every and they pleaded with the record companies to take more responsibility for the stuff they're putting out that of course was a signal to the record companies no, to not just not just dial back, but to double down. And that's where we are today. Glorifying, elevating, praising some of the most unthinkable stuff you can imagine that Joe Biden would not let his grandchildren get within thousand miles of, but he's okay inviting it into his presidential campaign. Strange days indeed.
All right, while the Democrats were out there trying to pretend that Black Lives Matter and that all these people in Seattle and Portland and Chicago, New York, Philly, all the thousands of riots in this country, hundreds of cities, they were all peaceful protests. People in Seattle were doing their best to remind everybody that they will not be silenced. They will be heard. Their Black Lives Matter. They don't agree with this peaceful protest crap. No, this is what they believe when it comes to the cops. After that, umbilical cord mother's umbilical cord should have wrapped around your neck and choked you just the way you choked George Floyd, you filthy animal. Not only should that umbilical cord should have wrapped around your neck, So we got the Black Lives Matter people in Seattle going, yeah, let's 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 choke the cops, kill them, shoot them. That's all good because we're Black Lives Matter. And because we're black, we know nobody out there is going to push back on us. No, we've got you guys figured out. We got the Black Lives Matter in Chicago saying, rioting and looting is just fine. It's all reparations. Carry on bravely. Black Lives Matter in New York. Burn. We're going to burn this town down. Black Lives Matter all over the country. Defund the police. And then you ask these candidates, these talking heads, hey, what do you mean? What did they mean by burn this town down? Well, he didn't mean it literally. What did they mean by killing cops? Well, they didn't mean it literally. What do you mean by looting and burning for reparations? They didn't mean it literally. What do you mean by defund the police? Well, that doesn't really mean defund the police. And yet we can't depend on anybody in public life to stand up and call them out, call them out in their terms. I know people call out Black Lives Matter, but we still just aren't hearing people confront them on their own terms. The terms are black victimization, white racism all the time, everywhere. That explains everything. The greatest lie of our generation that is just Raging like a wildfire. And I've given up the tsunami metaphor. Let's go to the wildfire metaphor. You know, sometimes these wildfires, like on a prairie, they kind of go underground. They burned underground. 
dumps do that too. They have fires underground. And somehow they just, boom, they pop up. And everybody goes, hey, I thought that fire went out like a year ago. No, it was still burning. Can't put it out. Should have put it out 10 years ago. <laughs> because now all we get are fellas and lovely ladies who know the score. The score is you cannot call the cops on a black person because crime is the new black entitlement. Lots and lots of black people know that today, including this lovely lady at a donut shop owned by some Koreans. The scene opens where she has decided she's going to go behind their counter, make her own coffee at a Dunkin' Donuts. And they say, hey, Abscar, you're not allowed back here. You're not allowed to come back and do our food preparation area. And that's where this video picks up. perfect call the cops you won't call the cops call the cops see what happens i got you on video being racist calling the cops on a black person is racist doing anything to push back on the notion that crime is the new black entitlement is racist that chick knows it people who run that store know it you know it lots of people know it I'll tell you, one, one, people, one group of people who, who knows it better than anybody, it's the good people over at Facebook. And when I say Facebook, I don't think there's really any difference from the people who work at Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube, and Google, and lots of other these high-tech companies where, where cons the conservative universe has to brush up against it once in a while. So here's a, here's a headline from um, this morning's paper sorry i can't tell you which paper it's from might be anyway but here's the headline facebook launches black creators program to pay social media celebrities 
$25 million for being black. So, you know, so this is not anything new. YouTube, they've been giving black people millions of dollars, up to $100 million total a year for a couple years. They brag about it. So black people can make black videos about how much white people suck. I'm sure you've seen them. Dear white people, lots and lots of these videos and YouTube cannot get them on quickly enough, cannot promote them fast enough, and cannot kick good old Colin off the air soon enough if he, when he goes on the air and says, hey, wait a minute, you just, I'd like to present a different point of view, i.e. that whole video is one big fat lie, every single word in it a lie, is a lie, including if, and, and but. You may not do that, Colin, because we are going to not only allow them on our page to say, to spread the, the greatest lie of our generation, we're going to pay them to do that and make sure a lot of people see it. Not much difference between Facebook and uh, the geniuses in the governor's office in New York. The governor came out yesterday and today was talking about how crime in New York City and all over the New York State is up. Shootings are up 82%. That's up 80%, 120%. And so he sends a I mean, all these crimes, burglaries way up, robberies way up. All these crimes are up in New York City. All these crimes are up in city of cities all over New York State, and they weren't particularly low to begin with last year. So there's Cuomo reminding everybody about this. It's, he's talking about black crime and violence, though he doesn't say that. There's Cuomo saying, oh yeah, he knows what's wrong. He knows why there's explosion of crime and violence. It's because of the police. Cuomo blames, this is from the Daily Mail, Cuomo blames police for crime wave. New York governor says cops must address a lack of trust in communities as Big Apple shootings surge 82%. He threatens to defund NYPD if reforms are not in place next year. I mean, whatever Cuomo wants to do to cops in New York City, de Blasio's already done it. They depoliced major parts of the city. They're not charging a lot of people who break the law or whatever. If they get caught accidentally, the charges are often reduced from felonies to misdemeanors. Misdemeanors are reduced. No bail. People get out, run around on the street, able to do it again. Now we find out this is a police problem. Because police and local communities need to work together on reform. They got to April 2021. Here's the first paragraph or two. Governor Andrew Cuomo blasted the recent surge in gun violence in New York City and in the state as an urgent crisis that he blames squarely on police departments because they have done very little to come up with reform plans. He also threatened to pull funding. Talked about this in a Monday news conference. Murders up, shootings up, burglaries up. And, uh, you know, he went burrow by burrow by burrow. Talking about how the white people all suck. Cops suck. You cannot, you cannot dismiss these numbers. You cannot look at this reality and say it doesn't exist. Because the reality is so clear. And 
the reality is, according to Cuomo, that cops are somehow causing the fellas to go around commit acts of hyperviolence and crime. I, I personally am struggling to see the connection, but since Andrew Cuomo, well, they say he's smarter than his brother Fredo on CNN, so maybe that dude's a genius, and I just cannot appreciate that genius. Talking about Albany, where shooting was up 240%, Buffalo, 66%, Rochester, 54%, Syracuse, 130%. As part of an effort to get the number of shootings down, Cuomo said he was sending a letter to 500 police departments in his state explaining it is imperative we address this urgent crisis involving the tension between police and local communities. Uh, even though he issued an executive order insisting that these police departments adopt the reform plan, well, they're, they're not really listening to them. They're doing their own thing. They're adopting their own kind of reform. And maybe that's why the crime is skyrocketing. Cuomo said it was necessary to get both sides to the table to create police departments that can actually carry out a public safety function because divorce is not an option. So who are both sides here? On this side, we have cops. On this side, we have criminals. Yeah, can't we just kind of meet in the middle? Is that how it works? We have the cops here, we have the criminals and their allies there. And they insist that the only reason all those crimes are happening is because cops are racist pigs and are causing the crime. So we have, uh, there's a lot of room for meeting in the middle there, right? People are getting shot every day. It's getting worse. We have to act. All right, why don't we just go up to Rochester to see what Mr... Cuomo was talking about and let's give okay so here's okay here's an example of Rochester a fairly typical mass shooting among the fellas in Rochester Chocolate City lots of bad business up there near the Canadian border tell me what kind of trust what kind of reform would have stopped those fellas from trying to shoot up a big party Terrifying moments overnight caught on camera. Gunfire exchanged injuring several people at a large gathering in the 19th Ward. The incident kicking off a busy night for police. Good evening, I'm Dan Schrack. Five people were injured, all hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. Police tell us they were called to Thurston Road around 11.30 last night for a report of shots fired. During their investigation, four victims walked into Strong Memorial. A fifth arrived at Highland Hospital. During that investigation, police executed a search warrant at an apartment where they say they found an illegal handgun, a rifle, six pounds of marijuana, and nearly $25,000 in cash. Two people were arrested and charged with criminal possession of a weapon and marijuana. Just a couple of hours later, another shootout in the city, this one on East Avenue, shortly after 1.30 this morning. By the time police arrived, the shooters were gone, but the windows at News 10 NBC and Bubble Fusion were shattered by bullets. There were people inside News 10 at the time. Thankfully, they were not hurt. 
No arrests in this shooting have been made. And minutes later, a third reported shooting in the Clinton section of the city. A call of shots fired on Clifford Avenue just before 2 a.m. Oh, yeah, here's a, here's a, you know, you can't see much on this video. We can't hear much on this video. I'll play a little, little bit of it. But there's three cop cars pulled up. They're unmarked. They're black cop cars. They're like SUVs. This is in Trenton, New Jersey, the state capital. Lots and lots of cops in these state capitals. So the, and the scene opens and there's these three cop cars, a bunch of fellas. They're, they're just destroying the cars. They're breaking the windows. They're putting trash. They're, they're, they have a crowbar. They're crowbarring up the engine. They're, they're, they're getting in. They're pulling out police equipment out of the cars. Okay, under what kind of circumstances, what kind of police reform, what kind of adjustment to the, to the behavior of police would stop black people from attacking, scorning, threatening, and assaulting police officers and public property? I mean, I don't, I'm not smart enough to get it. And here's another video out of Chicago. Elderly man sweeping a Chicago sidewalk is sucker punched. A horrific, unprovoked attack caught on camera amid uptick in violent crime in city. Uptick in violent crime in Chicago. Listen, that's also out of the Daily Mail. They're usually pretty good, but that's not an uptick in Chicago. And that's not a random attack. It's an old dude with a broom. A white dude and a young black guy comes along, punches him right in the face. Bing, bam, boom. Random. Don't worry, no major damage was done. We've got bigger things to worry about than just some janitor getting hit in the face with a fist. Colin? What's wrong with you, Colin? You know, Tucker, every once in a while, he just wraps it all up in a nice neat bow and some of the things he's talked about here we've talked about over the last couple of days too but he puts it all together so well if i again I, i'm sorry to nitpick but we this has to be said at some point even tucker is going to have to cross the rubicon and remind everybody that all this all this crime and violence and and decay he's seeing in this country it's all happening from the fellas or in the name of the fellas, and they're very explicit about it. So our question is, when are we going to stop ignoring what they're telling us, screaming at us, shouting at us? When are we going to actually start listening that they're serious? They don't like us. They want to do us violence. They want to bring the whole damn thing down. Speeches at the Democratic National Convention start tonight in about an hour. Bernie Sanders, Michelle Obama, John Kasich on deck. Kasich used to work here at Fox. It'll be interesting to see what he says tonight. Stay tuned to Fox News for coverage and analysis of that. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. It is amazing how quickly a civilization can tumble backwards. It takes a long time to build something worth having but just a moment to destroy it. That's the most famous lesson of ancient Rome, whose fall was followed by a thousand years of darkness. 
But as it turns out, that can happen anywhere. Just three months ago, this was a different country. Whatever its problems, America in the spring of 2020 was making good on its most basic principle. All men are created equal in the eyes of God and under the laws of the United States. Millions of immigrants from around the world believed that was true. That's why they came here. This country offered opportunity and safety to everyone, regardless of what they looked like. We were proud of that. We were right to be proud. Then over Memorial Day, a man died in police custody in Minneapolis. Our leaders responded to his death in an unexpected way. They decided that America itself was a lie. They decided this was not a country founded on the promise of equality. Instead, they told us that America was a 250-year-old exercise in oppression and cruelty. The American experiment never should have been conducted. So in ways big and small, they began working feverishly to undo the country. It didn't take long. Just 12 weeks later, here are the results. This is video shot late last night in Portland, Oregon, during a BLM rally at the city jail and police precinct. A mob surrounded a man and woman in their truck. They beat the woman to the ground. The couple fled for their lives. The mob chased them until they crashed into a building. Watch. The mob loves it. They're rejoicing. Then they set upon the man. They drag him out of his truck and force him to sit on the ground like a hostage. The man doesn't fight back. He doesn't resist in any way. Watch what happens next. Back up. Back up. Back up, bro. Sit down. Sit down. Sit the down. Sit the down. Hey, bro, you're not leaving, bro. Uh, it's hard to watch. They nearly killed him. They beat him unconscious. We just learned the man is still in the hospital tonight. The monster who kicked him in the head as he sat there defenseless, the Cretan wearing the jacket that says security on it, has not been arrested. Many on the internet seem to know exactly who he is, but as of tonight, no arrests at all. That's what Portland, Oregon is like right now. A major American city has fallen to the mob. We've got much more video from Portland. Some of it we're not gonna show you. It's too awful. The rest of the media are ignoring all of this. These are Joe Biden's voters screaming slurs as they kick people in the head. This is the media's team. They don't want you to know what nonviolent protests actually look like. When BLM lunatics call for the murder of police, and they do, the other networks act like it never happened. Here's yet another clip CNN will not be playing tonight. Your mother's umbilical cord should have erect around your neck and choked you just the way you choked George Floyd, you filthy animal. I know you got a gun, but so do I. Go ahead and shoot me. I'm shooting back. Am I lying, my comrade? You shoot me, I'm gonna shoot you back. You need to be charged with murder.
fry like a piece of burned bacon, calling for the killing for the murder of other Americans. For months, elected Democrats have tacitly endorsed this, the violence in our streets. They inspired it. They watched it happen. They refused to condemn it. Jerry Nadler just pretended he had no idea what you were talking about when you asked. But this weekend, they dropped the pose. The blurry line between violent mob and Democratic office holders disappeared completely. Here is John Thompson. He's a Democratic State House candidate in the state of Minnesota. Thompson, and we want to be clear about this, is not some fringe candidate. Thompson has won the endorsement of the governor of the state, Tim Walz, its Attorney General Keith Ellison, as well as of Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. But John Thompson isn't simply a Democratic candidate. He's also a violent thug. Here's Thompson the other day threatening a family, women and children, at their home. I'm a black man being terrorized by this Klansman right here. We are terrorized by the Grand Wizard. Y'all got the Grand Wizard living in your goddamn neighborhood. All the Klan exists in Hugo, Minnesota, and it's right here. Don't run now. Don't run now, racist white people. I'm here. Oh, yeah, we pull up. We pull the A normal political party would expel someone like that immediately. He's a lunatic screaming at women on their front lawn, obscenities, threats. A normal country would arrest him. But Democrats allowed Thompson to write a cynical non-apology for what you just saw, in which he concedes that his threats of violence against young women were, quote, not helpful. Why was Thompson allowed to do that? He was allowed to do that because Democratic leaders agree with what he said. Here's Kamala Harris explaining that people like Thompson are the good guys and everyone else, you, is a bigot and deserve what you get. You have one or one ticket that can say the phrase Black Lives Matter and another who has been full time sowing hate and division in our country. Oh, so what do you do with people who've been spending full time endorsing hate and division? You know. But in case that endorsement of violence in the streets was too subtle for you, here's Massachusetts Congresswoman Ayanna Presley openly calling for political terrorism. Keep in mind, she said this on Saturday, this Saturday. Hold them accountable. Well, make the phone call, send the email, show up. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. And unfortunately, there's plenty to go around. There needs to be unrest in the streets, Congresswoman Presley said while her wish came true. A day later, a man was beaten nearly to death in Portland, apparently for the way he looked. Presley supports this explicitly today. Today, after that happened, that video has been on the Internet all day. Presley spoke at a virtual event at the Democratic National Convention and praised cities like Portland for, quote, rising up. We showed you what rising up looks like. It's innocent people kicked in the face until they're almost dead. Ayanna Presley isn't pretending anymore. None of them are. Here's what rising up looked like in Seattle last week. Give up your house. Give black people back their homes. Thank you. They're sitting there comfortably. Yes. Comfortable as yes. f if they didn't help justify this neighborhood. I used to live in this neighborhood. But I used to live in this neighborhood. I came here and my family was pushed out. Yes. And you're sitting up there having a good time with your other white yes. friends. That's so let's not act like you just are oblivious to we don't like the way you look give us your house 
There's no excuse for this. There's no rationale that justifies this. And there's no society that can endure if this continues. That just happened. So where's the so-called civil rights division at the Department of Justice? Do they think this is okay? Would it be okay if the colors were reversed? Oh, no, it wouldn't be. Then it's not okay in this case. Because equality is a universal principle. It cannot be selectively defended or it means nothing, which is to say it means nothing. Our leaders no longer care about equality. As of tonight, some Americans aren't even allowed to drive on city streets, the streets they pay for. Take a look at this video from New York City. Hands the back now. Hands the back now. What the did I just say? Move the back, bro. Move the back. You done Not even sitting Yo, I want dead ass smash your car, bro. Ask me if I give a Ask me if I give a Get the out. Right now. You don't have a black Let's go. So to pass the roadblock on a city street, first you have to swear allegiance to their specific political faction. And if you don't, they threaten to hurt you. But keep in mind, this is not Beirut. No, really, we promise. This is New York City and everything's fine. It's fine. Stop complaining. Where's the federal government? Don't they have a constitutional obligation to ensure that your civil rights aren't violated for the way that you look? Yes, they do. That is their obligation. It's what they promised they would do. It's what you pay for. But they're terrified, too. Nobody wants to be criticized for opposing the mob. So they close their eyes and they hope it goes away. But it won't go away. Meanwhile, America tumbles backward. It's also sad. We all remember what Hillary said. White people have to start listening to black people. Hey, took me a while to figure this out. But she's right. Because we're not listening to the fellas right now. We're not listening to the enormous level of contempt and scorn and violence they wish upon us. We're just not listening. We're not reading their Twitter, Twitter streams. We're not reading their columns about the five-year-old kid shot in the head where the fellas and lovely ladies are rejoicing at a black dude shooting a white kid in the head. And now there's 10,000 members of a Facebook group called Justice for whatever the hell the guy's name was who shot the black guy who shot the white kid in the head. Justice for him. Are you listening? At some point, are you going to resist? Are we going to demand people resist? Even though we know demanding people resist the tsunami, black crime, this tidal wave of the greatest lie of our generation at some point it's gonna it is gonna come up and swamp us all unless we figure out how to resist it even if that resistance makes the black kids angry i was roaming through the desert sweating bullets from the heat when i came across a man named colin flaherty he told me if somebody comes along offering me a ride You'd better ask them where they're going for settling down inside I said, nah, I ain't worried, I'm out on the barbershop man 
And he said, listen fella, I've researched every town in this here land. Crime is everywhere, man. Crime is everywhere, man. I'm from Delaware, man. A stench is in the air, man. I hope you take good care, man. Crime is everywhere. I've been to Reno, Chicago, Toledo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Fresno, South Dakota, Wichita, Tulsa, Cleveland, Oklahoma, Tampa, Atlanta, Santa Monica, Daytona, Wilmington, Baltimore, Denver, Arizona, Virginia Beach, Houston, Philly, California. Black crime is everywhere, man. Crying everywhere, man. Get your ass out of there, man. You better be beware, man. I hope you take good care, man. Crime is everywhere. I've been to Boston, Austin, Dayton, Louisiana, Washington, Houston, Charleston, Indiana, Monterey, San Jose, Santa Fe, Aurora, Glendale, LA, Little Rock, Sonora, Tennessee to DC, Oakland, Fort Wayne, Grand Lake, Cincinnati, Memphis, Oakland. Black crime is everywhere, man. People are dying everywhere, man. Way out of proportion. I'm getting out of there, man. I hope you take good care, man. Crime is everywhere. I've been to Louisville, Nashville, Knoxville, Oklahoma, Jacksonville, Waterville, Davenport, Tacoma, Pittsburgh, Springfield, Bakersfield, and Watts, Centerfield, Vegas, Omaha, Fort Dodge, Idaho, Jellico, Buffalo, Seattle, Pasadena, Catalina, St. Louis, Sacramento. Crime is everywhere, man. Black crime is everywhere, man. If there's fellas there, man, get out while you still can. I hope you take good care, man. Crime is everywhere. I've been to Tucson, New Orleans, Milwaukee, and St. Paul. Phoenix, Portland, Dallas has them all. Riverside, Stockton, Anaheim, and Madison. San Bernardino, San Francisco, and Anchorage. Barbaloo, Waterloo, Newark, Kansas City, Sioux City, Detroit, New York City. What a pity. Crime is everywhere, man. Black crime is everywhere, man. Stenches in the air, man. Get out while you still can. I hope you take good care, man. Crime is everywhere. Crime is everywhere.